CBT News, the voice of the retail automotive industry. Hello everyone, Jim Fitzpatrick with CBT News. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. In light of the racial inequality that has occurred in our country for decades, a new focus has been placed on diversity and inclusion within the retail automotive industry. Dealer groups are creating various departments and programs solely focused on addressing these issues and hoping to create some sort of change. On today's show, we are pleased to welcome Janelle Ross, president of Bob Ross Automotive Group, which is the only Mercedes-Benz and Buick GMC dealership owned by an African-American woman. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Jim, for having me today. Sure. So um, uh, first, for the people that are not out uh, that are out there that are not as familiar with your story as we are here at CBT News, share with us a little bit about your journey. So my journey began when I was four years old. That's when my dad became an automobile dealer. So for the last 46 years, uh, it has been an extremely important part of our family. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, my father passed at a very young age um, of 62. Mm. And at that point, I took over the day-to-day -day operations of our, our automotive group, and I was 27 years old. So wow. 23 years later, uh, we are still making things happen and glad to be celebrating our 46th year in business. Wow, that is fantastic. Congratulations to you. And uh, Thank you. and as we mentioned in the opening, that you are the only Mercedes-Benz Buick GMC dealership owned by an African-American woman. So congratulations on that, um, you're, which is you're the perfect person to ask this question with all of the civil unrest that we do see out there right now going on in America. And the fact that there are only 265 blacks that own automobile dealerships out of some 18,000 dealers from your perspective how do you how do you see this how what, what's your take on all of this you know it's a, extremely unfortunate that we don't have greater representation of african americans and minorities as a whole due to the buying power especially that african americans have right. uh, when it comes to buying vehicles so, you know, there needs to be more of a conscious effort to really bring more minorities into our industry uh, and more specifically African-Americans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and what do you think uh, can be done in order to change that? Well, something that I have always done is really to go into the schools and start young and to let those that look like me and maybe those that don't look like me that there is opportunities in this industry and just to give a different focus of what the retail side of the business is all about. There's mm -hmm. definitely nothing wrong with working for an OEM, um, but a lot of times that may be the, the retail side may get overshadowed from what people think of an OEM right. perspective. Uh, so I just try to really, I feel kind of going back to my mother's roots of her being in education is to educate those that look outside the box in terms of what those opportunities are. And um, in fact, we're working with uh, one of our community colleges here, as well as one of our universities in terms of how we can structure uh, excitement and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and internships around the retail space mm -hmm. so that we can continue to have a pipeline uh, for those that want to come after I'm well and gone. Sure, sure. Um, and, and that speaks, I think, to the people to get them into the industry as a whole, for sure. There's no question about it. Um, for the number of, I've spoken to a number of African-American dealers from around the country, many of your colleagues, and yes. uh, they say that they, you know, they feel like they're, they're, they're automobile dealers. Maybe they have one point or two points, but they're not given, they feel like they're not given the same opportunities from the OEMs for new points or for a buy-sell uh, that might be pending or an open point, an open market. 
that they know about. Um, talk to us about that. Do you agree with them? And, and what's your take on that? Uh, I, I do agree. It's, you know, but it does come, come back to uh, finances and economics as well. And, you know, a lot of times the points are, have been very successful. Mm -hmm. And in regards to the initial investment that needs to be made, um, may not be in a position to do so. But that's where we need to work in partnership with the OEMs to create a better program and opportunities because it has shown that our, the minority dealers and specifically those African-American dealers that are in that are definitely on par from a profitability perspective of their Caucasian peers right. when given the opportunity. So it, it does go back to you know, broadening your horizons and opening those doors. And, and again, it goes back to educating that I may not look like you, but I can still perform and do what you do. That's right, that's right. And, uh, and then from you know, an ODM standpoint, you know, I, I don't know, maybe there are some, but I don't know of any uh, African-Americans that run OEMs, right? In, in terms no, of, a, of a, there, of a CEO not. position, right? Correct, yeah. correct. That, that in and of itself is a problem, I think. Right? It is. I mean, there there needs to be more of a concentrated effort to diversify on all levels of um, within automotive, you mm -hmm. know, from the OEM perspective, from the supplier's perspective, right. as well as the dealer body. Yeah. And when we're, you know, we need to be made up of what America looks like. That's and right. it's a very diverse uh, country. Yeah. And there's a lot of buying power from the, from minorities that are buying vehicles. That, that's right. That's right. And there's some, in fact, I think Range Rover or Land Rover is one of them that has actually no African-American dealers out there. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, that would we, be we think about their their market and the number of vehicles that they sell to African-Americans in so many markets around the country. A lot of metros and, and such. I know here we're headquartered in Atlanta and, yeah. and uh, you know, it's a very popular brand, especially among African-American buyers. And, um, it is. And, you know, that again, it would be great to have those conversations with those uh, customers for them to understand the history and to know right. who and where they're buying. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you may not see who the dealer is in a in a in a respective store. But if you had the opportunity to um, again, it goes back to educating, um, you know, they may have a different perspective of what they're driving. Right. That's right. That's right. Are you looking to to grow your uh, company in, in terms of acquisitions? Uh, what would always that, what does that would always like? like the opportunity to expand. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not an easy business to do so, and right. and sometimes wanting to do something close to home may not be perfect world. So you do have to broaden your horizons and look outside of your immediate area. Right. Uh, but yes, definitely would like to continue to grow in our industry. I yeah. have plenty of time still. <laughs> so. How did you, I'll change gears a little bit, but how did you fare uh, through this COVID-19 uh, pandemic um, that, that hit us in March? Yes. Well, being in Ohio, we were deemed an essential, an essential business. So mm -hmm. we have been open the entire time. And okay. yes, having to adapt uh, to what our new normal is. And it's not come without a lot of uh, pains and strains of making sure that we can comply. Uh, making sure that our employees are safe and that our environment for them is safe as well as for our customers to come in. So the, you know, the amount of PPE that we have been able to uh, purchase and make sure that we have on hand for our employees and our customers is extremely important as well as the sanitation. Uh, but, you know, March and April weren't great months at all, but things have rebounded since the latter part of May mm -hmm. and consistently doing so. So at this sure. point, which I know I would be preaching to the choir in our industry is everyone is, is at a lack of inventory. So. Right, right. 
and and luxury sales your mercedes-benz dealers staying strong through all of this yes mercedes sales have been extremely strong and especially on the pre-owned side yeah uh, but gm has done very well too our our buick and gmc brands are doing well mm -hmm. during this time um as long as with our domestic use sure do you find it interesting that during a national pandemic that the auto industry is is just going you know great guns right now and selling out uh, out the selling out the shelves of inventory it is but i do you know i've had a lot of conversations with some of our long-term customers and even newer customers uh that have come in during this time to purchase and a lot of them have said you know i may have been putting something off i mean unfortunately they're still very secure and solid in their employment right um but they've just had more time to really look into what they would like to like to purchase uh, we still have many more people that are wanting to come in more so than going the online route of some of my peers. I don't know if that's just, you know, from being in Ohio, um, you know, and just looking at the makeup of things, but it has been a very interesting time and in navigating through. Yeah, for sure. What, um, you know, the, I speak to a lot of dealers around the country, as you probably know, in my position each day. And uh, it seems as though they, you know, they felt very good about the last four months, May, June, July, August. Um, because of the pent up demand, because of the uh, stimulus checks sent out, you know, by our government. Um, however, they're a little bit concerned about the next four months. Would you share that concern with them? I would agree. I mean, you know, it's from an, you know, everything starts with inventory on our mm -hmm. end, and we know that it's going to take some time to get back up to uh, normal levels, and that could maybe be October, November, and hopefully of being shorter. But you know, you have to look on the on the long of it. Right. Um, but it is some you know, air of caution of what the fall is to bring. And that's where we've tried to continuously make uh, changes to our organization to adapt to if things start to pull back a little bit, what we need to do. Um, at the end of the day, I wanna make sure that we are a viable entity for our employees, as well as providing the best environment for our customers to come in and purchase a vehicle or service their vehicle. Sure, did you have to lay off any employees during the, the COVID when it hit? We did uh, furlough about 10%, mm. uh, but we were able to manage staggered schedules and reduce hours to help kind of navigate through those, especially the March, April, beginning of May timeframe. Okay. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it was really about wanting to keep everyone safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, I can say up to this point that we have done that with mm -hmm. no, um, no concerns. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're continuing to do all the necessary protocols that are needed, uh, temperature checks every morning, checking in on, you know, on people periodically through the day and sure. just making sure they're masked up. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that is certainly a new normal now, right? We're just constantly, I'm sure <laughs> yes. you're gonna be in a mask after this interview. I know I will be, you know, when I walk into this- to, to the right office. here. They, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, it is a way to get over this whole situation, yeah. right? I mean, yes, as, as, uh, you know, I know there's some people out there, it, it's almost become a political hot potato right now, whether you wear a mask, which is crazy. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it, it, it does help, right? So- um, Yes, it does. One thing I do wanna uh, talk to you about is you were uh, the, a past chairman of uh, the AIADA, right? Yes, and, yes. Um, so, uh, you know, to have a black African-American or an African-American female running that organization, um, kudos to you for that. I think Thank that uh, opened up a lot of eyes. And uh, I think that, you know, there's other associations in our, in our industry that could take a page out of that playbook. Um, talk, talk to us about the importance of doing that. 
the importance of being the chair. Or yeah, and, and getting involved in those organizations involved. so that you can help steer the industry. Well, you know, the I had uh, one of our Mercedes dealers in Cincinnati actually approach me about getting involved in AIADA. And him and my dad, even though they were competitors, had a great relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so when he came to me and, and said this, I think this would be something good for you to get involved in because he knew my passion that was centered around um, eliminating of the estate tax and how that could potentially right. affect uh, auto dealers as well as, as, as yeah. business owners in general from a generational perspective. Sure. So I had the opportunity to really learn and understand a different part of our industry and how uh, the political arena can play into what we do day to day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I know I keep saying education, but it does <laughs> go back to educating yourself and understanding um, what you're involved in as a whole and not right. just what we need to do here, but what what it looks like in Washington, what it looks like in our own state house. And so as a result of being involved with AIADA, I just continued to learn and grow and was given the opportunity to lead, which I did not take lightly due to my predecessors and what we represent for all the international nameplate dealers. Sure. And, you know, I, I have worked very supportively with NADA as mm -hmm. well as NAMAD. Mm -hmm. And it would, you know, I think for those dealers that aren't involved in any of the organizations are doing themselves a disservice as well as the, even their employees because sure. that information I bring back to my team so that they can become more educated and understanding of not just what's happening here, how this could potentially affect us as a whole right. and what we're trying to do day to day. Right, right. Um, you mentioned NADA. We had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Peter Welch uh, on this very yeah. topic. Uh, of the racial, you know, up, up, uh, upset that's going on right now in our country. And, um, you know, we, we asked him, we said, you've got 63 board members uh, from around the country, but only one African-American, and that's Desmond Roberts. We had the yeah. pleasure of interviewing him as well. Um, how do we change that? How do we change, you know, the, the driving force in our industry, that being the NADA, to have more involvement from the African-American community uh, in this industry? Well, I think, you know, Desmond's done a great job representing, um, you know, dealers on NADA. And I think it goes back to, again, broadening their horizons and wanting to engage with African-American dealers to maybe to have a better understanding of what, how their involvement, you know, from the board perspective, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, it is a, a voting by state right. um, to be elected, but still, there has to be some, you know, grassroots efforts of really that right. level of engagement. And maybe there's questions of really what the responsibilities are, what it can really do for them and to betterment of their organization as well as for our industry. So again, you know, there's there's definitely African-American dealers that are willing to serve and that are very capable of Absolutely. serving as their peers. And it's just a matter of uh, maybe going in a different direction than what has been uh, the past and the path and, and trying to broaden that. Sure, sure. Um, as you know, he's stepping, uh, Peter's stepping down uh, yes. to retire at the end of the year. And um, I asked them about the committee and who was on it and, and, and if they were looking at, um, you know, minorities to fill his shoes, you know, a minority candidate. Um, and he said that he didn't know because he wasn't on the committee on the committee. Uh, and then, you know, when I spoke to Desmond Roberts, uh, I asked him if he was on the committee and he said, not only am I not on the committee, but there's no African-American on the committee. Right. <laughs> so, um, 
that's know, a little I, disappointing to that, hear that it's very that, disappointing you know very disappointing and i mean yeah. peter's done an excellent job nothing yep. to take anything I, away I, from i agree what he's done but uh looking at where we are in today's society do right. not have a diverse uh committee is yeah. it's not voting well for, for no, what I, they're I, I know and and uh if we continue to make these same what i think is a mistake you know uh, it, it's going to just continue we're going to kick this Super can down the road even further you know when, yeah. when i i see this as a huge opportunity for us to seize this and and show the it is the, the it is an opportunity and and that's where you know it it is unfortunate and maybe there is still time for them to address that i'm sure desmond has brought that to to their attention uh and hopefully they will listen yeah yeah for sure um so a couple of last things here um what are the things that uh that you're most concerned about as an industry as we move through uh 2020 and beyond well i mean one is for all of us to remain healthy and yeah. and and safe and in what we consider new normal and how this will continue to play out uh, into 2021. I mean, we know that it's here for with us for a while. And, you know, there's there's no time that I walk into my my business that I'm not concerned or have a little level of anxiety about making sure that everyone's healthy and everyone coming in and out is healthy. So that will definitely continue to play into uh, the overall industry of people wanting and needing vehicles for transportation or even for service, because if sure. we don't have a healthy economy, uh, then they won't have a need to utilize our services. That's right. And it's yeah. not something that they're looking to do every day. Right. Uh, so, I mean, continuing, you know, the, the social unrest continues to be a, of concern mm -hmm. and what that could potentially do just to our country. And um, I do, we have the brands that I represent though, on a bright note, we have a lot of great product, a lot mm -hmm. of great product coming, and I know they're working on getting that to us. Yeah. Uh, and I know we have to be patient with everything that's that's gone on, but sure. Um, sure. there is still a, a heightened level of uncertainty mm -hmm. uh, with the economy and, and what that brings. So it's mm -hmm. just trying to make sure don't make any rash decisions. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still responsible for close to 100 families and wanting to make sure that they have a viable entity to come to every day. Sure, sure. Um, on a scale from one to 10, how would you rate the job that your governor has done there in Ohio uh, handling this situation? I, I feel that Governor DeWine has done an, a great job. It, every, they're all having difficulties. Uh, like you right. said earlier, the mask uh, mandates have become more political. Yeah. And you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's just trying to make sure that he keeps us safe and healthy. and not that he's not concerned about wanting to have a uh, very stellar economy, uh, but he understands that. And, you know, I, as a business owner, want to make sure that we are open. And as I said, you know, we have been deemed essential. So we had to learn how to navigate through this. But, you know, at the end of the day, some people are going to be in favor and some aren't. Um, but, you know, it's just the luck of the draw, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. And, and dealers are, uh, you know, they're, they, they're entrepreneurs by spirit. You can't keep them down. Right. You know, they, they pivot as, as soon as something hits and they say, okay, let's go in this direction and let's, let's win, you know, win, win the game, you know, making these changes, right? That is true. We have definitely yeah. pivoted. Yeah, no question about it. Janelle yes. Ross, president of Bob Ross Auto Group. Thank you so much for joining us here on CBT News. We very much appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. Thanks for watching CBT News, the voice of the retail automotive industry. CBT Automotive Network is a part of the JBF Business Media family.